Well, good morning. It's good to see you all here, and we've been continuing and working through this series of On Your Mark, Get Set. And so we've been working through a number of different things in which we're to be preparing for. And this week we're going to be focusing primarily, just as we've been singing and Larry and the band just sang about that song of the Word of God, we're going to be looking at prepare to meditate. And what all does does that mean? And I'm sure when I say meditation, we get a myriad of different thoughts that may come to mind, uh, some of which may be very inaccurate and and others may be just a little unclear. And so to, in order to clear it all up, I'm going to ask you a question, and that's what do you know about the digestive processes of bovine? Yeah, I got you there, didn't I? Yeah, that's right. That's right. When, I, when you think of meditation and when Scripture talks about meditation... A lot of, and really the the first thing that comes to mind as we understand biblical meditation, at least for me, and it's very simple, is a a cow chewing his cud. The digestive process of bovine. That's right. And you may not know, I did a little study this week. I know I'm married to a biology teacher, and I should already know this and be well-versed on these processes, but uh, without grossing anybody out... I found out that the cow actually has about three different portions to their stomach. And when a cow's out in the field eating grass, and they swallow the grass, and it goes down into one of the chambers of the stomach, and then it kind of does some digestive, and then it kind of comes back up, and it chews on it a little more. And then it goes back down, does a little digestive stuff, and then it comes up, and it chews on it a little more. And then it finally goes down and into the rest of the processes of the body, which gives it nourishment and all that the cow needs. But it's that process of of just kind of chewing on things. And that's really the idea is we're going to look into a passage in just a moment of uh, of what it means to for biblical meditation. And I came across a great quote by J.I. Packer this week, and I was reminded of it from his book, Knowing God. And he writes this. Meditation is a lost art today, and Christian people suffer grievously from their ignorance of the practice. Meditation is the activity of calling to mind and thinking over and dwelling on and applying to oneself the various things one knows about the works and ways and purposes and promises of God. It is an activity of holy thought. Consciously performed in the presence of God, under the eye of God, by the help of God, as a means of communion with God. Its purpose is to clear one's mind and spiritual vision of God and to let His truth make its full and proper impact on one's mind and heart. It's a matter of talking to oneself about God and oneself. It is indeed often a matter of arguing with oneself reasoning oneself out of moods of doubt and unbelief with a clear apprehension of God's power and grace. Its effect is ever to humble us as we contemplate God's greatness and glory and our own littleness and sinfulness and to encourage and reassure us, comfort us in the old, strong Bible sense of the word as we contemplate the unsearchable riches of divine mercy 
displayed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I couldn't begin to top J.I. Packer there in that. But it's that process of over and over of mauling. Meditation actually means literally to mutter to oneself. So we're going to look at that. We're going to look at a passage today that it's one of many that we see in Scripture that, that tells us to meditate and tells us how to go about having relationship with God. And so we're going to look at Psalm 119. And I invite you all to turn there. And if you don't have a Bible, I want to just encourage you, if you want to slip up your hand, the ushers will make their way up front. We've got some Bibles that we will lend you, and you can take a look at that. But Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. And maybe just let me give you a little background about this psalm. Almost literally, if you take the Bible and just open it right up in the middle, you're going to find Psalm 119. It's almost exactly in the middle of the Bible. Psalm 119 is the largest chapter in the Psalms. And it's also the largest chapter with most most verses in the Bible. Fortunately for you guys, we're not going to study them all this morning. (laughs) But it is divided up into 22 different sections. Each of the sections contain eight verses. And each section is divided according, it's kind of an acrostic of the Hebrew alphabet. With a letter, the first letter and the second letter and so forth for each of those sections. We're going to be looking at the second section. But the other fact, interesting fact about Psalm 119 is the fact that the whole psalm, almost, almost every verse in the song, psalm, talks about God's word or, or mentions God's word. There's only a couple of verses in, in all 170 some verses that that doesn't even mention the Word of God. With that being said, there are eight different labels, or eight different terms that we see in that psalm that that reference the Word of God. Six of those are listed in the passage that we're going to look at this morning. And in the ESV, these words are rules, testimonies, precepts, statutes, commandments, Word, and then in other places we'll also see law and judgments. Anytime you see any of those eight words in this psalm, it's referencing the Word of God, the Bible that we have. And so that's a little bit of the background of that. And so if you look in your Bibles to Psalm 119, starting in verse 9. Now, point number one in your notes, if you're taking notes, is seek. Know God through His Word. In the first couple verses, we see the command and the admonition to seek. And and really what we're going to find is verse 9 here, this first sentence in this section, kind of gives us the purpose statement of of what this section is about. And it starts off with the the author of the psalm, which by the way... Uh, We don't know the author of Psalm 119. It's not listed. It's speculated. It possibly could have been David who wrote so many of the Psalms, but but it may as well have been a couple of other choices. But the bottom line is we really don't know who the author or the human author was, but we do know it was all under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and that God wrote these words through whatever man that he used. But in verse 9... It says this, how can a young man keep his way 
pure. By guarding it according to your word. So it starts off this section with kind of the the purpose statement. What is the question that's trying to be answered in this section? And it's how can a young man keep his way pure? How can a young man or a young woman, how can a person keep their way pure? And and, and that word pure gives the idea of of undefiled, uh, of unspotted. Uh, of not getting any kind of dirt and impurities involved. And so the question the psalmist is saying is, how do we go through this path, this course, in a way that stays on track, that keeps all the junk from coming in? And he gives the, the answer to that by guarding it according to your word. By guarding it. According to your word. The the word guard there. And it's interesting as we read through this, you're going to see, look for the the, the key verbs and and look for the key nouns. Literally, as I was studying the last couple of weeks, I actually kind of just made a list because you're going to see this and it's it's very insightful and we'll talk more about that as we talk about how to go about meditating. But but it's looking for those key phrases and, and we see that guarding. And, and the idea there is, it's a very protective word. It's a, it's a word of, of getting, of putting up your guard and your defenses around it. Literally, what, what the, the psalmist is saying is by matching up everything that we say and do through the filter of what God says we should say and do. Of who God is, of how God says to go about doing life and doing it in a way that, that pleases Him, that brings Him the glory and is for our benefit. And so it's, it's putting up your guard in that. Now, if you're thinking about that and saying, if you're going to use God's Word as a protective guard and use it as the filter for the decisions and the things uh, the actions that we have in life, uh, there comes the natural necessity of knowing God's Word and the need for that. And he goes on and answers in the next question, well, how do we go about guarding? And verse 10 says, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. With my whole heart, let me seek you. First look at that verb there, of that, of that seek, and it, it means to inquire. It, it means to, to pursue, to go hard after. And you hear Pastor Tim many times using that, that term when we talk about the Christian life. And what are we trying to do? It's to go hard after God, to go after Him with all that we've got. That's exactly what's, been, what's talking about here. It's, it's, it's that we're going to seek that. With our whole heart, I, I immediately thought of, of the great commandment that we see that Jesus, when he was kind of asked the question of which commandments were the, were the most important and, and kind of to prioritize. And what did Jesus say? He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and many times when you see that, the, the term heart, it's talking about with the, the totality of the inner man. With all that we've got. With our thoughts, with our emotion, with our will, with, with everything that we've got, we're going after God through His Word. Literally, as I was thinking through this week, what the, the admonition, what, what God's calling us to do here, to seek Him with your whole heart, 
to be a stalker for Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, be a stalker for Jesus. That's right. Never thought you'd hear that in church, right? That's exactly what it's talking about. Not in some creepy way, not stalking other people, but to go hard after, to seek after God. To want to know everything about, to want to know how it all fits together and what God's doing and who God is and how He relates and to see Him in all aspects of our life. My wife and I uh, grew up together and uh, we, we sort of kind of like liked each other from uh, about eighth grade on. Uh, we knew each other in sixth grade, but we didn't like each other so much then. But by eighth grade, some fondness had developed in, in, in there. And uh, of course, we didn't have Facebook, so we couldn't formally announce our status as we can today. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're kind of, you know, back then, which was many, many years ago, I don't know, about 30 or so years ago when this was all going down and you know we used to write each other notes and we went to the same school and we'd pass in the hall and so we'd write notes and of course we couldn't text or anything like that then but uh, I mean we still had the phones with the big long cords that dad used to yell because it got all wound up and some of you remember that but but so we'd pass in the halls and you know you'd have some free time in there and you'd jot a note down to, to your someone special and then you pass it in the hall and you get to the next class and the first thing you do is you open up that note and you read and, and how is it that you read that note did I just glance and just kind of oh, well yeah whatever no you read every word you want to see what it is going like anything new could happen in the 52 minute period that we just had in, in, in science class right but, but yet you wanted to know each and, every, and you sat on the phone at nights and we talked and, and all these Things because you just wanted to get to know with us and, and know each other so much, and I understand so much of that it isn't even necessarily love; is more infatuation at that point. But but even even today, after being married for 22 years, it, it's still kind of funny that sometimes I'll get a text from her during the day, and the first thing I do is I look and I want to see what's going on and want to read it and. Want to know everything that's going on in her life. It's the closest human relationship that I have on earth. And that's kind of the idea of the way it is and should be with God. That we want to seek, that we hunger, that we want each and every word. What is it that what's going on now? Having that desire with my whole heart, I seek you. Is what the psalmist is saying. But not only that, he says, let me not wander from your commandments. Let me not wander from your commandments. Let, let, let me not get, get off course. Help, help me to stay on the trail is, is literally what, what's being said here. And I was thinking back to a few years back when, when I was, uh, uh, doing student ministries and, and, uh, the truth be told, I can't remember exactly. Uh, it was either a trip, a backpacking trip that, that I was leading in, in southern Ohio, uh, or it was a backpacking trip that I was leading up in the Adirondacks when we lived up in New York. And I used to do a lot of leading these wilderness trips and stuff like that. But we had one trip in particular that we had driven into the place where we parked our cars and we were late. We'd had some car trouble and some people had been late. And, and so we got in and actually it was getting dark at the time that we got in. And most of the time 
we like to be on the trail and pretty much get into the campsite by the time it got dark and we were way late for that one. And so we had to go in a certain place because it was pretty thick and there wasn't a place to camp until we went about a mile or two in on the trail. Uh, but this place had a number of different trails and it was, it was very hilly and mountainous as we were going up and down. But the catch was, I knew what trail we were going to be on because the trail had been marked about every 30, 40 yards with a little reflective diamond thing that was kind of, kind of nailed onto different trees. And they'd marked that trail as opposed to other ones that were crossing the path. And so for, for the next half an hour or so, because we're moving slowly and we had a bunch of junior high and young high school guys who'd never been on a backpacking trip before and they're clanking along and loud and stumbling and, and it's up and down and all around. And I literally was in the front of this being the only one that had ever been to this place and not remembering it because it's dark now with a headlamp on there and a flashlight that literally searching every tree looking for that metallic reflective marker and we'd start up one path and i'd get a little bit and realize Ooh, i'm not finding anything and then so we'd go back down the path 20 yards and back and start the next one until i found that marker and found that marker and and finally got to the point where we got to where we could camp and for the night and pick it up in the morning when it was light out but as i was reading that this week and, and studying over it let me not wonder wander from your commandments What's he saying? Help me to keep sharp focus on the path that you've laid out. What's the path that's been laid out? It's the Word of God. Help me not wander from your commandments. 2 Peter 1.3 says that God has given us everything that we need pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of His Son. As he is his, the revealed word, the written word about the living word of God. Everything that we need for life and living it in a godly way. Everything that deals with our thinking, with our emotions, with the decisions, with relationships. Everything that revolves around those things, God says, the answers are here. And the answers are there. But it requires a seeking, a staying on path. So let me ask you this. Do you always filter what you say and do through Scripture? In the education world, we call this having a biblical worldview. What what does that mean? It means I see the world through the filter of Scripture. I make each and every decision in life, big and small, through the filter of what God says, of how God's laid it out, of how God says it works, of who God is, of what pleases Him. And understanding that God's got His very best for me when we follow His Word. Do you spend time getting to know God? Are you reading the notes that He's passed you in the hall each day. Second point we see is learn, memorize, discuss, and apply Scripture. It's the learning process to, to memorize, to discuss, and to apply Scripture. Look at verse 11. 
I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have stored up your word in my heart. I have stockpiled your word in my heart. I've taken as much of it as possible and put it right here in the center of who I am and my heart and my being and my my thinking and my mind. And when it's talking about the heart here, it's not talking about the organ pumping blood, but it's talking about the inner man. It's talking about the, the thought and the will and the emotions and all that goes into who I really am on the inside. And I've taken your word and, and I just keep piling up your word in who I am that I might not sin against you. How does that help us not violate what God says? How does that help us to avoid missing the mark, which is literally what sin means? It's because the more that we know about God, the more we know what He likes and we know what offends Him. The more that we study the Bible, the more it's revealed of who God is, how God works, and how God has laid things out in such a loving, protective way for us as well. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might sin against you. Verse 12 says, Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. So first you got the storing up of God's word. Then you've got secondly, the, the blessings. Literally, what, what he's saying is when you're filled up with God's word, what comes out? Praises. Blessings. Jesus said the same thing when he said, out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. What's in here has a way of, of coming out here. Whether we like it or not. Could be good, could be bad. And so as we store up and fill our, our inner being with God's word, out comes praising. Because the more that we see who God is, the more it leads us to praise the great and holy God that we serve and love. With my lips I will declare all the rules of your mouth. With my lips I'll declare this. Blessing, communication. Now you start talking and and not only are you just praising God, but now you're also telling other people, man, you can't believe what God is doing in my life right now. My world has been rocked as I've learned and grown and understand this about God and I've seen God at work in this area and that area of my life. And, and, And outflows the testimony of test after testimony of what God is doing. Literally, we can't help but but talk about it. But not only that, verse fourteen. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as all as in all riches. In the way of your testimonies, Lord. In your testimonies, the, the, the sayings of Scripture that testify about God, of who God is. Literally, the psalmist saying, I delight in that. It's more value, uh, valuable to me than any of the wealth that, that I can amass and accumulate. That it's that precious to me. Now, I'm going to be honest. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord, 
this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Or maybe you're where I'm at at times, where I get so busy doing stuff. And it's kind of the more I spend time with the Lord, the more I want to spend time with the Lord. And the less that I spend time with the Lord, the less of a desire I have to be with the Lord. It's relationship, isn't it? It's something that, that, that happens. Uh, we, we do uh, uh, lots of marriage counseling and, and, and head up a marriage restorer group and a lot of things. We've got a lot of hurting marriages. And at times we all go through those times. But one of the first things, the, the, the standing homework that we have all through marriage counseling is you're going to have couch time, you're going to have date night. Couch time is spending 15 to 30 minutes at least just sitting down each day talking. It's amazing how the, the most important earthly relationships when we spend the least amount of time sometimes. Oh, we're in the same house, we're doing stuff, but we're not talking. And that's uninterrupted time and without the kids in the middle of it. And then we have date night once a week. Date night is two or more hours of a mutually enjoyable activity without kids. Doesn't have to spend money or anything, but, right, we define it, we alternate who plans it, and we, why? What we find is, you're not going to love what you don't spend time with. And the more that you spend time, the more that you will have the feelings for the person. And that works in our relationships, and even more that it works with our relationship with the creator of the universe. Most of the time, it's not that we hate God. It's just we're not thinking about God. So let me delight in your testimonies. It's a reminder of who God is and what God has done. How much of the Bible do you know? How much of the Bible do you know? Do you have times that you're storing up God's Word? We uh, have a kind of a busy home. Don't have a lot of kids, not as many as, as some of you, but with our three active kids and all of their friends that seem to end up at our house around supper time. And our families, and and so we regularly go to the grocery, and and um, and I say we um, most of the time I beg and plead, and she lets me go with her to the grocery sometimes uh, when she's very daring and, and willing and understanding that a lot more is going to get thrown in the cart than what she's planning on. But one of the things about every two to three weeks, my wife will make a Sam's run. We're kind of excited. We're here. Costco's coming in too. So we're going to give that a try as well. But, 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 but you know, when Tiffany goes to Sam's, that's a good thing. When she comes back and, and it's all, it's funny because, you know, they don't give you bags at Sam's, right? You just kind of pile on the cart. You get out to the car. You just throw it all in the back. Just kind of laying around. You're like, it doesn't seem like much. I don't know. There's just not much there. But then you start bringing it all in and you start putting it all in the pantry. And so after we get everything put away and you go do whatever and then you come back the next day for, for the next meal or maybe a snack or something later and you look around and it's like Christmas. And you got all these different things and sometimes it's hard. My wife will take things and hide them. She says, cause you eat it all the first two days and then there, you know, nothing left the last couple of weeks. We got, it's really lean, but, 
but but it's it's walking in and having all of this, and you can just pick and choose, and it's all the good because no one's eating all the good cereal yet. You know what I'm saying? So you still have the good cereal there, the sugar kind, and not stuck with the Cheerios, and you know that comes two weeks later when when everything else is gone. But but it's that it's that storing up for the next couple of weeks, and, and that's what the psalmist is saying. Uh, of having that, uh, of constantly bringing in and storing up because we're going to need it. Because we're going to need it to know and understand and to filter and to, and to stay on track. So my question is, are you storing up God's Word? Are you storing up God's Word or are you living on an empty pantry? How would that describe where things are at with you this week? Number three, we see, meditate. Enjoy making God and His Word a part of your life. Meditate. Enjoy making God and His Word a part of your life. Verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your way. Now he starts off here, and we see this here is a declarative statement. He's saying, not I'm thinking about, or wouldn't it be nice if, or I might, you know, if I have some time, but literally he's, he's putting that stake in the ground saying, I will meditate on your word. I, I'm going to fix my eyes on your ways. I will. And we see here an act of volition of the will of saying, I am choosing to, from this point forward, to spend time meditating on your word. We talked before, what what is he talking about meditating? It's it's that mauling over, that that studying and pondering and, and considering. And I said literally the word means to mutter to oneself. Some of you got that down. I, I, I do that well sometimes where my wife walks in the room and says, who are you talking to? Nobody. <laughs> just me. At least nobody intelligent. <laughs> it's just me. But instead of talking to myself, it, it literally is talking over the things of God with God and with myself. It's that inner dialogue that goes on in your mind. That I will meditate. I will fix my eyes upon. Literally he's saying, I'm going to set my gaze I'm going to put my focus on that point and work towards that action of meditating on God's Word. But beyond that, I will delight in your statutes. Verse 16 says, I will not forget your Word. That's why the the point here is to meditate, but it's enjoy making God and His Word a part of your life. I think so many times as we hear this, and okay, I, I hear you, Pastor Steve, I need to be memorizing the Bible, and I know, and read the Bible, and pray every day, and all these things, and it becomes drudgery, and it becomes um, just checking the boxes. And, and it can be that. But that's not what the psalmist is talking about. That's the difference between just reading and just memorizing and meditating. Because meditating takes that knowledge just one step further. 
than saying, no, I'm going to maul over this. I'm going to actually incorporate this into my life. And I'm going to focus and set my gaze on who God is. And, and trust me, when you encounter the creator of the universe, when you see the awesome magnitude of God and who he is, it will change you. It will attract you. Literally to the point where you say, as the psalmist, I delight and I look forward to that. It is so valuable to me. And maybe for many of us, we can think back to times of, of, of just large spiritual growth in our life where, where we were spending time, where we were meditating on God's Word, and, and we know the joy that came with that. And we see the effect that it had in our lives as, as it allowed us to, to have that filtering system. You know, we all meditate on things. Do you realize that whether you've realized it or, or not, you have been meditating? We meditate on the internet. We meditate on TV. You know, mulling over things. Spending time looking, reading. We meditate on our fantasy football team. Some of us meditate more than others, especially as we lose more than others. We meditate on our worries, on our fears, on our irritations, on our relationships. Oh, we're meditating. The the question isn't, are you meditating? The question is, what? Are you meditating on? So what do you talk about? Remember, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You want to know the things that, are, that you've been spending time meditating on? What are the things that you're talking about? What do you think about when you're in the car? What do you think about before you go to sleep? What are the things that are going on and going through your mind? How much time do you spend reliving bad experiences? Do you list out your misfortunes and have the tough times? Are you a worrier? Do you dwell on lustful thoughts? Scripture says the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Literally what looks good, what feels good, what what shows me off. Do you review reasons as to why you're better off than others? Or do you go through reasons of why you're not better off than others? Here's a big one. Are you a critical person? Answer those questions will reveal much of what it is that you're meditating on. So the psalmist says, I will meditate. So how do we go about doing that? Here's some some thoughts and suggestions for how to meditate on God's Word. encourage you to, to jot this down. I tried to leave you plenty of space there on the back of your notes if, if you're interested. Number one, write OPA. O-P-A. Remember that from about a year ago as Pastor Tim was working through... Uh, 
how to study the Bible, and maybe if you guys went through the White Hot series and gals did as well, OPA, Observation, Principle, and Application. It's reading through a passage of Scripture, and you're observing what's going on, and you're trying to understand the context of the passage. How does it fit into the greater passage? And what's trying to be said? What was being said to them in that world, in that situation? Understanding, I mentioned before, you're looking for the, the verbs and, and the key nouns and, and, and just understanding what it is, what that passage is, is really saying. That's the observation. The, the principle is saying what is the, the, the principle that we can gather out of that passage of, of what it's telling them and then what also it applies to us in our world today. And then that leads to the application. How does this apply to my life? And we've talked before about the macro application in a general way and the micro application in a very specific way. And I'll give you an example. If you're reading through Ephesians chapter 4 and you're working through verses kind of 25 to 32 and it says uh, put away all lying and so on. Don't let the sun go down in your wrath. And you get to verse 32 and it says, and be kind and tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. And so as we go through, we would read through that passage and we would understand that it is the end of verses 25 to 32 and it fits within that passage and it ties directly with verse 31 that says, put away all bitterness and anger, wrath and malice and clamor. Those things don't do this, but 32 do this and there's a context and it says, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving. Why? Because you've been forgiven. And so we can take, there's three really good principles there, be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving, and the macro application would be, be kind, be compassionate to people, be quick to forgive, and that, that's at a nice macro level, but then we could say, be kind, micro application, what would that look like? Well, if it was being kind to my wife, it might mean that I would bring her flowers one day this week, that I would... Make it a a rule to try to empty the dishwasher after supper each night this week. And I give some very specifics micro-application. That's just a general how to study the Bible. And so we start with that. But beyond that, number two in in meditation, it's, it's then rethink. Literally, I put kind of chew on it. I kind of go a little deeper and say, okay, so what does this passage tell me about God? I start asking these questions of what, where, when, how, why. I start thinking about it and, and trying to understand it in a little deeper sense of that. I might even look up some of these words of, of kind and tender-hearted or compassionate and what's it talking about there. And I, I start to, to maul over those things and see how it relates to the other passage and Number three, then, I might memorize the key verse. If I'm reading through a passage and pick the one verse that really sums up that passage and that key verse and say, okay, I'm going to memorize that passage today. And a lot of times, I, I'm starting small. I'm not trying to memorize the whole passage. But I'm going to just memorize that key verse, which you've just heard me say it back to you. So I got that one down. Uh, the memorization part. I'm, I'm still working on the application part. But um, then, what are we on? Number four there. Look for examples of that principle. Examples of that principle in your life and in other places in Scripture. 
Where are we saying being kind and tenderhearted in your life? Where, where might I need to be kind and tenderhearted in my life? Well, what is it that's going on that, that, that may need some forgiveness applied to that in my life? And I start thinking through, how does this apply to me today? And I might also look back and say, where else in Scripture does it talk about being kind being tender, what the fruit of the spirit? Well, it's and you start going through the different and, and forgiving one another. Well, Luke seventeen three says, right, if a brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, forgive him seven times in a day. And we see other passages that that shed some light on that. And then next one, develop action points for words and phrases. For how to change as you apply these things. Develop action points for, for the different words or the different phrases that can help you bring about change in applying that. So some, some action points that would help me in applying kindness in my life, forgiveness in my life. Well, one of the first things I probably need to go to so and so and make this right. Or I may need to take this thing that I've been holding on that they've asked my apology for already and set it down and to forgive in that let me start looking for specifics in that and then lastly talk about it with yourself talk about it with others and you might even want to journal it yes I said to talk to yourself. You don't have to verbally do it. You can if you want. Just probably get one to be by yourself when you do that. Think you're nuts. But but the internal talk that goes on in your head. Talk it through. Meditate. Muttering to oneself. Maul it over. And then talk to other people about it. Hey. Come in the office the next day, Mike. Man, you never believe, man. I've been studying through this, and just something God's really done to, man. I just really, it just jumped out how, I, and, I, and I share it with somebody, and it helps. There's something about when I then have to articulate what's going on to somebody else, how it helps to clarify and to bring bring clarity in in my life. Does that make sense? Let me just on a side note, just mention. That also is a lot of, of what we're trying to do in our impact groups. And, and a lot of, 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 of how we go through, of, of actually studying that passage and how it relates to, to what was preached on that week and even some things that are coming down, some adjustments, even as we're going to try to be even getting you some of the, the, the passage and questions up front even before that so you can spend some time and over a few days of actually kind of studying it then sitting in here and we study it together. And we walk through that. And then we get in our impact groups and, and, and we're able to share some of the things and add to some of the studying that we've done and do a lot of accountability as we say, this is the way I'm trying to apply it and this is the way we can help each other in applying this passage to our lives. Why, why are we doing that? Because that's how Scripture says, that's how God says, look, to, to meditate on His Word. Not just be a, a hearer or a reader, but a doer of God's Word, James says. Of really making it a part of your life. One other just example. Practical way to implement this. and It's something that I came across a couple weeks ago and I, I just love it. 
it's it's a good thing both for me as well as as I've been dealing with people and counseling and that. And for the last week, I've been carrying around a three by five card. And front and back, there's about six things on this, and this is called I'm calling it a think list. Now, I didn't figure you'd be able to see this, so I had Larry put it up there on the there. And so this is an example. This is an example of my think list. Now I'm going to tell you as you're using this, this is a great way to to adjust and control your thinking and 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 to to implement meditating on God's word. And what you're seeing here, this is this is a very generic. This is just something I made up about a week ago of things I need to be working on my life. And I say that because if I was struggling in an area, let's say I was very, uh, I was depressed or I was very fearful and, and really struggling with worry or, or there was a temptation in my life that I was really fighting at the time, then, then I would adjust these and, and really, uh, the points would, might look a little different as it goes more specific to whatever is going on in my life. But this is just a general one just from the last week of some things that I've been working on. And you see at the top there, Philippians 4.8, if you know that, it's whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent. If there's anything praiseworthy, think on these things is what, what that verse says. And that's kind of the, the premise of this. And, and so some of the things I just put here, and, and you don't have to copy down my stuff. I mean, you can if you want to, but... But this is something that you would go through. And, and number one, I just put give thanks. And, and, and that tells you, each of these points is going to have an action statement. And it's going to have a scripture verse. It may have a truth statement with it. It may have a question associated. They may or may not. But, but the two things that each of these points in the, on your think list that you can put is an action statement. Just like the psalmist said, I will meditate on your word. An action statement and a scripture. A scripture that deals with that. A scripture that I can focus on and meditate on. And the first one I said was give thanks. What is there to be thankful for in this, in, in, in this situation? To ask myself this, whatever's going on, and this is something I, I just take the three by five card, I keep it in my pocket. So I, I come, I bring it up, I, I feel it sometimes throughout the day, maybe at, at meals as I'm doing, maybe as anytime I reach in to get my car keys, anytime else, and, I, and when I do, I pull it out and I read through it and I think through it. It's just a constant reminder. First uh, Thessalonians 5.18 In everything give thanks for this is the will of God. Three times in scripture it tells us this is the will of God. Giving thanks is one of those. Think it's important? I do. I find this is one of the biggest ones for me that affects my attitude. Give thanks. Whatever's going on there's something I can be thankful for. Number two, trust God. He's at work. There's that truth statement. We know God is here, God is present, God is active. Whether I see him or not, he's at work. Where is God at work? And in Hebrews 13, 5 says, you know, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We see that Old Testament quote from Joshua that, that Hebrews reiterates. Number three, put Tiffany before me. Put my wife before me. Philippians 2, 3 says to esteem others better than self. Ephesians 5.25 says, you know, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for him. 
I know it's going to surprise you, but sometimes I need reminded of this. Because I can be selfish. Number, number four. Shepherd my wife and my children. Proverbs 27, 23 says, know the condition of your flock and give attention to the herds. It's saying, look, my job as husband and dad is to be shepherding those which God has entrusted. And I better know what's going on. And I better be attentive to that. I better be more focused on that than everything else I've got going on in my life at times. Number five, be careful what I watch. What I listen to, Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. And Psalm 101.3, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I struggle with that one. I struggle with the idle time and, and, and what it is. And, and so much times, some things are just plain bad. Some things are just plain worthless. Of no value. And yet I spend so much time focusing on that. Number six, I said this is kind of the generic here, but but meditate on the verse for the day. I mentioned before, as I read through in the in the mornings, I'm working through different things that are going on and, and different passages and stuff, and I, I try to pick that one key verse for that day that I'm just gonna just kind of chew on. And so so for me, it, it, it's what was that verse this morning that, that I'm just kind of chewing on. I may even jot it down on the list and, and then say, okay, I'm going to just go and review that verse. I'm going to meditate on that verse. It's a think list. It's nothing fancy. There's nothing magical. But it's amazing how just having getting some structure of trying to guide how and what I think on. And keep focusing it back on the truth of God's word. Every action statement, every truth statement is based on God's word. And it keeps taking me back to what I need to do because this is what God's word says. How does a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it. Guarding it. And the the, the attack isn't physical. The attack is on the mind. More than not. So my question to you now is, what are you going to meditate on this week? What's going to change? And you're like, for some, maybe you're doing well at this, and it may just be some, some little tweaks, and hopefully they're giving you some tools, and for others, it may be some large changes that need to take place. But I want you to take just a moment right now And think to yourself, what needs to change in my thinking this week? What do I need to be meditating on? You got it? 